What's up, folks? This is Tony Brewer. You're listening to or watching as the case may be. Cogitations. Cogitations is the podcast where we think about things. We contemplate them. We turn them over in our minds and then we discuss them. Daniel chapter 7, verse 28. Daniel writes, Hitherto is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my cogitations much troubled me. My countenance changed in me, but I kept the matter in my heart. And we're not going to keep the matter in our heart. We're going to talk about it. Today, we're going to talk about a gut-wrenching topic. And that topic is, well, it's, it's the ending of one's own life. I almost hate to use the word because it's a emotionally charged word. And it will get you downranked in the algorithms and stuff like that. It's, you know, the ending of one's own life, offing oneself and just saying the word on uh, a social media platform can trigger some things that are hard to, hard to deal with. Uh, let me get everything set up here. It's good to see everybody before we get into the, the meat of our podcast, I would like to draw you, draw your attention to our sponsor, uh, Lindsay Faye Dotson at gmail.com. Uh, we're so thankful to have her as a sponsor. And if you will contact Lindsay at Lindsay Faye Dotson at gmail.com, you can find out more information about what she does. Are you part of a church congregation seeking effective ways to spread the word about your event? Look no further. Lindsay Dotson specializes in designing modern advertisements for churches. Whether it's flyers, postcards, or social media graphics, Lindsay has got you covered. Reach out through a private message on Facebook or send an email to lindsayfaydotson at gmail.com. The email's in the bottom third on the screen for more details. Do not miss this opportunity to make your message resonate far and wide. Contact Lindsay Dotson today. And if there's any of you that would like to uh, support us monetarily, you can send uh, mon monetary support to www.nearchurches at gmail.com or you can subscribe at Podbean or uh, you can subscribe as a Patreon, as a patron on Patreon, www.patreon.com forward slash Christianity now. And that's all I've got. We're going to, we're going to leave the subscribe to Substack up there. No, we're going to take that down because that's running in the bottom third. As a ticker, let me hide that. Now then, back to your chats. Good to see everybody. John Exum and Diana Harden, good to see y'all. All right, let's get into the meat of the podcast. First off, if somebody, somebody, if somebody is talking about suicide, I shouldn't have said the word. Anyway, I guess I did, so there it is. If somebody's talking about that, don't downplay it uh you need to treat it as serious every time i know a lot of times a lot of folks that i talk to they'll say stuff like well they're not really considering that that's just uh that's just a way to get attention and stuff like that look the answer is yes that's absolutely true that's what that act is it's it's a cry for help and it's an act of desperation the problem is the person who's who's idealizing it is idealizing it. It's, it's fake. They don't understand. And it's, it's almost as if they've gone past this point where the finality of it makes them pause. You know, whenever you, uh, 
whenever you talk to uh, policemen and ER doctors and stuff like that and look at crime statistics, um, there are there are more attacks with uh, knives and such than there are with guns. Let me tell you why that is, or why, why, let, me, let me tell you why social psychologists think that is, is because there's something about firing a weapon, firing a gun, pulling the trigger, squeezing the trigger, and firing a gun that is final. And it makes people pause because you can't take it back. You have no control over it. Where with a knife or a baseball bat or hitting, you know, even a fist fight, people who understand about physical things and people who have been a little rough around the edges, you don't have to worry very much about those kind of people just hauling off and knocking somebody in the head with their hand because they know the 1,001 ways it could go wrong and how that act of balling up your fist and hitting somebody in the face could actually end somebody's life or maim them and incapacitate them for the rest of their natural life. And that's, that's because they understand the finality of it. There has to be a mental, a, a mental block that a person puts up, a mental headspace that a person enters into when it comes to taking one's own life where the reconciliation, in other words, all the things that they feel like that that act solves, the finality of it doesn't give them pause like it would a normal person. And I mean, I have an uncle that, that did this and it was because he had participated in some shady business deals and business practices and it snowballed and he didn't see a way out and it was hopeless. And he thought the best thing he could do for all involved was just, just be gone from this world. And, and that's, that's a terrible headspace to get into, but the distress was so bad that the finality of his decision and how it would affect people for the rest of their lives who survive him did not give him pause. So every time a person commits that most egregious and heinous acts that one can commit on oneself, they are in a headspace that could be described as mental illness. That does not mean that they are not responsible for their actions. That does not mean that they have a free pass. That does not mean that if whatever feelings you're feeling, you know, if you're, if you, if you know somebody who committed this heinous act on themselves and took their own lives, grief and anger are kissing cousins at the very least at the very most grief and anger might be the same emotion all right so you feel a certain way uh you're entitled to those feelings and and those feelings are natural there's an acronym i want to share with you and the the acronym that i was originally introduced to is shorter than this uh, but I just didn't get a chance to talk to LaBeth 
but um but this acronym works and so there's an acronym that therapists and other you know therapists and doctors um first responders even they people who were trained in crisis situations they they run through this acronym to kind of scrutinize whether or not someone is how or well, not whether or not but how serious someone is whenever they talk about this act okay so first off uh the the acronym is sad persons and clinicians sometimes use this particular acronym as a tool to assess the risk in other words how how sure are they that somebody is going to carry this thing out if they if they're talking about it so first off sad persons s is x male first off are you dealing with a male or a female a male is much more likely to commit this act than females uh statistically speaking age younger or older age groups all right so you got to have a little bit of background so how old or young is the person what's the age of the person in other words for their demographic and their certain age what is the what is the suicide um and again i should have said the word but what are the statistics and how often do these people once they start this ideation what are the chances of it happening what are the statistics and then you got to take into account previous attempts so excuse me depression rather s a sex age d for depression sad so do they have a history of depression or currently are they depressed um yes uh kumar i'm i'm praying about that war in 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 israel um I appreciate it and good to see you. Uh, all right. So you have depression. Are, do they have a history of being depressed or are they currently in a depressed state? And then you got to take into account previous attempts. So you have sad sex, age, depression, and then the P, the person starts with previous attempts. Do they have a history of attempts and how serious was it? In other words, well, it doesn't matter. Do they have a previous, uh, uh, a history of previous attempts? And then you have ethanol. Okay. So alcohol misuse, uh, methamphetamines, anything like that. Do they have a history of drug abuse, drug abuse, rational thinking loss? All right. P E R. So are they, are they, are they currently in a state, an altered mental state? All right through you know because of some psychosis all right and then social support do they have little to no social support so p-e-r-s what about an organized plan this is a big one and this is a this is a difficult one and 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 i've i've talked to people and i've sometimes when i've when i've got to this organized plan and i haven't ever used this particular um this particular acronym but the acronym i used in the past has organized plan or plan here's the thing if if somebody so if if uh if a if a 15 year old depressed male who has attempted ending his own life before 
starts abusing alcohol and is acting irrationally and has little to no social support. In other words, his parents are dead. He lives with an aged grandmother or something like that. And then he says, my daddy left me a 20 gauge shotgun and it's at, it's at home in the closet in the house. And he, he, me and him used to go deer hunting together and I would take that 20 gauge and, and I would use slugs and we would go hunt deer and there are slugs there. And we also we used to always go deer hunting in this one spot overlooking this beautiful, um, we call them hollers down South, this kind of beautiful little glade or valley rather. I'm going to go there before dawn with that shotgun with those slugs. And I'm going to bring a six pack of beer and right before dawn, I'm going to start drinking. And when the sun comes up over the trees where I can enjoy that view for one last time, then I'm going to end my life using that weapon. Folks, that's an organized and detailed plan and they have access. That is a person that you need. They need immediate acute care. They need to be put in for the 72 hour observation in a psych ward. You need to dial 911. If somebody is talking like that, don't mess with them. And when I say don't mess with them, I'm not saying like you're, you're, you're looking down on them or like they're, you're disgusted. Like don't mess with those people. What I mean is don't mess around with that. You dial nine one one. If somebody, and, and we, the, the, the last two are no spouse and sickness. So, you know, but no spouse goes back to, uh, lacking social supports. So if, if you've got, uh, if you've got a person that ticks all those boxes, like you, you dial nine one one, because if they're telling you may be like, well, they're just telling me to get me riled up. Yeah, that's fine. Get riled up by dialing nine one one or whatever the emergency contact is in your country. I think Europe, it, there's some places it's three one one or something like that. I think in Canada it's nine one one. I know in the U.S. it's nine one one. Some of y'all may may know something more me, but anyway, so that this really, we spent 15 minutes in the podcast. That's really not the question I was asked. Let me go and look and, and see, because man, this is such a hard topic because there's, there's no easy answers. There's no cut and dry. There's no, well, the Bible says one, two, three, this, that, and the other it's, it's, um, it's rough. So I'm not. What is wrong? Oh, there it is. Um, so there's a part, I'm going to be as vague as I possibly can. Um, this person wanted me to share some articles or something that I've written about this topic. And it's something that this person struggles with in teaching because of their personal views on the topic the topic of taking one's own life and they have an individual, a newborn Christian, and that individual is on medication for some mental issues. And that individual was just released from a mental hospital because of the threat of 
ending their own life, okay? As a brother or sister in Christ, or as somebody that is in a mentorship guidance type of position, like let's say that you're an elder, let's say that you're a gospel preacher, or let's say that you're an older person that someone comes to for advice, or you're in a, a leadership slash mentorship guidance kind of position, how do you help somebody like this? You have to rely on support system. You have to have support systems. Um, the the person that, that wrote this message to me, the last thing they said, I am ill-equipped, to which I responded, in that area, we are all ill-equipped. Let me chew on this. I don't really have anything written. I may see if I can come up with something. If nothing else, I do a podcast on it where we can get some viewers to talk through the topic. I find that that helps for me. And that is the beauty of the Cogitations Christianity Now podcast is these very difficult topics for which there's no absolute and good answer. We get to talk about these things, and according to Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3, we've been given all things that pertain to life and godliness by the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. So then we have at our disposal everything that we need. So talking through it, I think, helps. Even the admission that there are no absolute and good answers. So how do you help somebody? Um, how, how would you help somebody in this in this situation? Uh, well, you've got to just be there for them. You've got to you've got to understand that something in their life was so tragic and so traumatizing to them, even if it wouldn't have been for you, that the safeguards of human nature that would cause someone to pause at the finality of death were removed and they thought that the best solution to the trials and tribulations that are common to man according to God was so difficult not being alive would be better and for a Christian Perhaps spending an eternity in hell. But you see, that's we're coming at it from a, from a standpoint of rational thought. So it's it's that's why this is so difficult. Hold on, just a second. So the, the idea there is it's, it's difficult. Um,
if this person wants to be a Christian and they want to get back to a, to a healthy mental state, they're going to need professional help. One of the problems that spiritual leaders and friends and mentors run into is the difference between offering advice on what somebody should do versus helping somebody get right in their mind. <clears throat> Cody Jones says they're probably feeling a lack of acceptance. I would try and get them involved into some sort of public sport or activity that gives them the feeling of being accepted or useful. So that is a very, very utilitarian approach to helping somebody in this, in this case, you know, and, and there's nothing wrong with it. That's a good thing. So there's, there's empathy, there's sympathy. And then there's kind of the, Hey, get your behind up off the couch and let's go. Um, First Corinthians four, five. I know what James four, 12 is. Let me, let me look at first Corinthians. Hold on. First Corinthians four, five, pull out my trusty rusty here. First Corinthians four, five, therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and make the manifest counsels of the heart. And then shall every man have the praise of God. And then James four 12. I'm, I'm going to go, go to there to make sure I know what it says. I think I do, but, uh, James four 12. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy who art thou to judge another. Yeah, there's, yeah, that, 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 that ought to go without saying we, we can't judge. First off, we judge motives. We, uh, we start, I, I'm, this is one of the big things. If I could, if I could brag about anything, it would be the fact that I am able to divorce how I treat people and I can divorce their, how I treat people and their actions from motive. I do not care about motive. And you shouldn't either when it comes to helping somebody that, that is, that has, is going through this, we don't care motive. We don't care because a lot of times we personalize it. That's why grief is so akin to anger. Um, you know, uh, I remember after my dad died, my dad had a very long struggle with multiple myeloma and, um, my mother was angry at him. <laughs> how, how stupid is that? You know, because she felt like maybe he had it longer than he thought or like she, just anything she could latch hold of. And I think that's her latching hold of the only vestiges of feeling that she could have because, you know, he's gone. It's a void. And at least if she can be angry at him, it, it, it fills that void that was left by his absence. It's not rational is my point. But whenever somebody come, whenever somebody tries and fails to take their own life, we may be angry at them because of how it affects us personally. And as John says, you know, we, we need to, we need not to judge in emotions or intentions. It's not about us. It's all about them. They've gone into this headspace that is so dark and, 
so terrible that again it it blocks these kind of psychological red uh, uh, fail safes that throws up red flags whenever we do things that have such a finality that we'll never come back from them. Um, and one of a very, very effective thing, like for instance, this person that the commenter asked me about, um, at the congregation where they are, are there activities? Are there things to do? Make sure that, that, that members are reaching out to this person. Uh, they don't have to be professionally trained, but go watch a YouTube video about how to build love and connection with somebody who is going through, uh, uh, difficult times and there are resources out there. There, there are entire channels devoted to things like this and educate yourself a little bit and be one of those people like, Hey, look, go over there and talk to that person. And you might not be able to get them up off the couch, um, and, and get them into playing sports or some kind of public or public sport or activity. You might not be able to do that. But what you might be able to do is you might be able to get them go over there at eight in the morning and at least get them up out of bed and let them go from the bed to the couch. I mean, that's a step. You'll notice this podcast and conversation is not necessarily focused on the ramifications spiritually of this. Uh, LaBeth and I kind of have a little bit of a disagreement here. I academically feel like I can craft a scenario where if a person commits suicide, that is not a punched ticket to hell. LaBeth says that I can't. Now, technically she's the mental health expert in the room. So I, I, there may be something that I don't know that I don't know where it makes her right and me wrong, but I still, I'm not convinced that suicide is an absolute punch ticket to hell. But, but again, that's only scholarly and academic. Let me tell you just from a practical standpoint, a person who is so hopeless and in, and in, 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 in such a terrible headspace that they will try or try and succeed to take their own life. That, that, that final act is not what separated them from the fellowship of God. That they, they stepped out of the fellowship during wartime. Many have done it out of fear. Yes. And is, and is that a, is that such a, is that such a tumultuous, traumatic situation that comes up on someone all of a sudden that it that 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 final terminal act could be considered an impulse? And if so, then the blood of Jesus Christ would cover that. Chris Olive says it took a lot of studying to understand this. The counseling classes I've had helped a great deal. Amazing what love can do to those contemplating suicide. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the thing it's, and really, and truly Cody here, you don't, you don't have to know anything. Well, maybe I need to back that up. You need to be aware of some things and be cognizant of how to communicate in some ways. But it's very, very little. The bar is very, very low. 
So I'm going to, I'm going to say it generally with air quotes and you understand what I mean. You don't have to know anything to be able to go over somebody's house, knock on the door and say, I have come because I care whether or not you're alive. I almost, I said, whether or not you exist, but then I got to, then in the, in, in the moment I was like, well, even if they ended their life on this earth, they're still existential in nature. They're just not in this realm of existence any longer. So yeah, knock, knock, knock. Hey, Bob, Sally, whoever I'm from the such and such church. We, you know, I say, I saw you last Sunday and it's Tuesday and I just wanted to come over here to let you know, I'm happy you're in my life and I'm happy to have met you. And, uh, I brought a donut from Tim Hortons. How about that? I mean, think about what a small act of kindness throughout the day can do to lighten your mood. Now back to Cody's, uh, I call it the, I'll call it the utilitarian approach. So you make that first contact and maybe all you get the person to do is open the door. So that's Tuesday. Well, you come back Thursday. Don't, you know, give them a day, come back Thursday. They open the door. Maybe you sit down, you sit down with them. Maybe you get them to come out on the porch. Maybe through talking to them, you realize that they're a soccer fanatic and they enjoyed playing soccer in their younger days. All right. So that's Thursday. Maybe you, uh, hold off Friday and Saturday call them Saturday and say, Hey, I just want to let you know, I'm looking forward to seeing you at church on Sunday. Then church on Sunday, you see them. Maybe you invite them out to lunch. Maybe you invite them to your house for lunch. Then Monday you show up and you got a soccer ball that, Hey, listen, I used to play soccer too. You want to get out here and work on some passes and just kick the ball around. And then the activity <clears throat> the fact that a, you're developing kind of a routine with them and you're, you're going to get them up and active. You're going to get those endorphins flowing through the hormones are going to become better balanced and their mood will improve. And just because you decided to show up, you, you may have saved somebody's life. Now it doesn't need to be a one man show. But you can do way more alone than you feel like you can do, than you can, than you've been told you can do. And, and what you do matters. Appreciate your comment there, John. Thanks for addressing this topic. So anyway, that's really and truly just from my, my skill set as a layman, um, you know, if you if you're if you're if you're aware of this acronym, which sad persons, sex, age, depression, previous attempts, ethanol abuse, rational thinking loss, social support lacking, organized plan, no spouse and sickness. Um, maybe that'll help you gauge with what level of intensity you need to work to be in this person's life. All right. Um, and incidentally, if, if they have an organized plan, that's where you need to dial nine one one. Like that's where you, that's where they need to be committed. And, and 
if if you feel like you need to do that, then you may may need to may need to educate yourself on the right words to use. You know, like this person has an organized plan for doing this. Um, I feel like they are a, a threat to themselves and to others. And hopefully, hopefully, you get some good folks that will that in the in in the from the hospital or something like that that would be able to help you. My grandfather had open heart surgery after he healed up. The family didn't want him to go to the farm any longer to feed the cows and do other things. Well, he shot himself. I take it he felt useless. You know, you can always deconstruct what happened in the past. And if that's if that's your gut feeling, that's more than likely right. And uh again, don't 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 live in that. Don't blame yourself. I mean, people we do what we can in the moment. Um but anyway, there's uh yeah. I think that's all I've got, unless y'all have anything. Uh, I mean, obviously, we didn't talk much about the Bible because, again, the, the Bible is pretty clear on the taking of a human life. We are not owners of our lives. We are stewards of our lives, so we have no right. For me to end my life would be not committing the sin of that word that starts with an S, it would be the committing the sin of murder. Me taking my own life in God's eyes, I think, is the same as me taking the life of someone else. I, I think I'll die on that hill. I, I think I think I, I believe that so strongly. I don't know what I could hear to change my mind, unless there's some kind of unless there's some verse in the Bible that I've overlooked all these years. And let me tell you, this is an uncomfortable topic and it's an uncomfortable topic for me because it's nebulous. It's difficult. It, it's not, you don't have all the answers. It's not absolutes. And despite everything that you can do, if somebody is bound and determined to go through with that heinous act, they're going to go through it regardless of your intervention. So you're almost destined to fail with somebody that's bound and determined. The main thing you can do is make them feel wanted, loved, useful, make them feel like they belong. Nestor, I'm not going to try to pronounce your story. I'm not going to try to pronounce your last name. Uh, been really sad lately. I don't feel suicidal, but I feel just useless. I feel like my friends don't want me. My family don't want me. I feel like I'm in the wrong place, but I feel like there's nowhere to go. I'm, I'm with you. So those kinds of thoughts, um, those are actually pathological thoughts. Now you're the feelings that you feel because of them are valid, but I would dare say, all right. And this is advice. I dare say your friends do want you, your family does want you, and you are more than likely in the right place. But there are just some, some pathological neurotic feelings that are causing you to have these things. And the, again, just the advice would be, and this is, this is so cliche, 
it's, it's so cliche, almost to the point of, of being insulting, but be the change you want to see in people. So do you feel useless? Well, go find an area and make yourself useful. I don't know what kind of job you work. I don't know if you have a job, but let's say that you don't have a job. Let's say you're not employed. Um, go straight, you'll sweep the street, go find, go find an, an area of the world and make it better. Jordan Peterson would describe this wake up in the morning and make your bed. And what, and this is a good, a good, good exercise. When you wake up in the morning, go to the restroom, wash your face, do that routine and get in that routine, but then go back, make your bed and then look at that made bed and allow yourself to feel the feeling of accomplishment. I promise you doing that will rewire your brain. The brain is amazing. I know a fella in Bay, Arkansas, young man had a stroke. I've slept so much since then. I can't remember. I think it was his left side. Yeah, I know it was his left side. He had to, he was describing to me about going to physical therapy. And he was talking all around the phrase that I've just used. And I said, well, Craig, you, that's amazing. I said, you just described creating a brand new neural pathway in order to get your left leg to move enough so you could walk with the aid of a cane. And he said, well, I, that's the way I conceptualize it, but I don't tell people that because they look at me like I've got a third eye. He didn't use those words, but that's, that's the gist of what he said. Anyway. So the point is make your bed, get up, go through a routine, wash your face, comb your hair, get your clothes on, make your bed. And that will create a neural pathway that accomplishing that you will get a dopamine hit every morning and you will have at least accomplished and been useful at one thing. Then find your friends. I feel like my friends don't want me. Well, Proverbs chapter 18, the very last verse, a man that has friends must show himself friendly, but there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. It may be that your friends are so comfortable with you that y'all have gotten past the point of having to do things to build the friendship relationship. And that's fine for them because they don't suffer from neurotic thoughts, but you do. And since you know that, then you need to go to your friends and show yourself friendly. You ain't gotta, you ain't gotta have any kind of grand things. You don't have to, you know, go do any huge activities or anything like that. Just go, just go to your friends and say, Hey, what's up? I thought I'd sit here with you for a minute and don't talk. And if they don't talk to you, that's fine. I've, I've got a couple of friends in my life that have been friends with me forever that we can go six or eight months without talking. And, and we just pick up the phone. If one of us calls and it's, we'll talk for two or three hours. Like we've never missed a beat. That's a really healthy friendship. 
And in fact, before the advent of social media and fast travel, people would be friends like that a lot. Well, I've got a best, you know, I'm living in Baltimore and my best friend moved to Texas 15 years ago. We're still best friends. Well, how do you know that? Well, because we, we exchange letters, we write letters back and forth, keeping in touch. And so every three or four months, I'll get a letter from him and he'll get one from me. And then twice in the last 15 years, we have visited each other. I mean, human beings are not built for the constant barrage of interactions that social media gives. And to the point where now it takes so much dopamine for us to feel anything that you got a bunch of people walking around so interconnected with the people around them, but yet they have no, they have no ability to receive the effects of it because we've been numbed and dulled to the effects of the dopamine. So a really good thing you could do probably is get one of these friends and say, look, I need your help. I want to take a digital detox vacation. I want to go out into the woods for seven days with no cell phone, no electronics. The only light will be a lantern and a light from the campfire. And then we wake up in the morning and I want to be out there seven days. We'll carry some books. We'll carry some activities. But the most of the time, we're just going to be there and we're going to exist. And after seven days, your circadian rhythm will be reset. Uh, your dopamine receptors, I think, goes back to some semblance of normalcy. It's just really, really good. I feel like they want me around only when there's no one else around. They're ashamed to be with me, and it feels so painful because they're my only friends, and they change in front of others. Well, again, that's, that's where you need somebody where you are that you can talk through that stuff because it may be that they're just terrible, terrible people and they're taking advantage of you and your, your feelings are true, but it could be that your feelings are, or not that your feelings aren't true, but that your, that your, uh, your, your, your thoughts are valid. Your feelings are valid, but your thoughts might not be valid. Uh, so you, you, you really probably need to find somebody in your area <clears throat> that uh they can they can they can that you can talk to about this that's not going to send you down a bad road um but be a friend to them you know and and do a seven day digital detox uh and then your family and all of that good stuff you just you find small things to work on is the point and it goes back to the utility comment you've if, um, uh, it, because of inertia, the law of inertia basically is an object in motion will stay at in motion until it's enacted upon by an outside force. An object at rest will stay at rest until it's enacted upon by an outside force. Don't succumb to inertia. If you, if you sit down on the couch and say, woe is me, nobody likes me. Nobody hates me. I guess I'll go eat worms then you're going to die on the couch. Woe is me. Nobody likes me. Nobody hates me. Guess I'll go eat worms. You will succumb to the power of inertia. But if you will get up in the morning, wash your face, comb your hair, put your clothes on, make your bed, 
and then leave the house for a few hours, you, you, you will be succumbing to the, the force of inertia, but in a positive way, in a positive way. So you, you are culpable and responsible and able and powerful enough to affect this change in your life. But again, if these feelings and thoughts persist, it is incumbent and it's an important, it is of paramount importance for you to go find somebody in your area to talk to. If nothing else, I don't know what country you're in. If nothing else, dial your country's version of 911 and tell them you've been having these thoughts and you need help. And I, I pray that you get the help that you need. Hello, Debbie Mangus. Good to see you. Folks, I think that's about all I've got. And yeah, hey, hey, Alabama, don't blame yourself if somebody who is bound and determined to take their own lives, take their own life, re regardless of your efforts to help them to live. So, yeah, that, that's all I've got. Um, and yeah, we are in informational overload. Folks, remember, if, if, if you know of somebody who is struggling, be the beacon that guides them through. And if you're one who's struggling, open yourself up to being helped. When that person knocks on the door, don't lay in the bed and let them knock. Grumble and complain and groan and moan and hem and haul all the way to the door and open the door. Look him in the eye and say, I can't stand that you're here. You're bothering me, but don't go. I need you. And see how that works. Folks, God is on your side. Surround yourself with people who will be on your side as well. And I hope I've said something in this 48-minute ramble that you can latch hold of and, and, and find whatever help you need in the situation you're in. And that's all I've got. Folks, you can get this archived podcast on, on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, if you just search Cogitations. I would love for you to subscribe to the Substack. We put out articles every day. I'm probably going to write some articles about this. And yeah, that's that's all I've got. God bless every one of you. Consider being a monetary supporter. Uh, consider following us right there on Understanding the Time. Remember to subscribe, like, and share here. And you know what that is. It's that big blue F. Follow us there. And then this one is kind of new. Um, the the archived videos are a little bit behind, but this is a really great place to get content, and uh, that's all we've got. God bless you. This has been Tony Brewer with Cogitations, and we'll catch you on the flip side.